thank you for tuning in to AnchorCast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to get the latest updates about events, meetings, and uploads. We hope you enjoy today's episode. So last time I was here and I talked, I happened to mention something about how I have this like strange love for personality test. Okay. And last time I talked about the love language test. Have any of you taken it here? Couple? Yeah. A few people? Yeah. Okay. So last time I spoke on how one of my favorite, like, or how one of my love languages was quality time. Well, see, I have another love language too, and it's words of affirmation. Now today, or this love language is like pretty self-explanatory, right? So it's like when people are affirming you with their words, but it's not only when people say nice things about you, but when they also reassure you, whenever they express their emotions to you and remind you with words just how important you are to them. But with this also being my love language, when people down or embarrass me or express vocally the mistakes that I have made It is one of the absolute worst feelings in the world for me. Now, see, it can completely tear me down and change the way that I not only look at myself, but the way I can even look at others. Now, see, I think whether you're a words person or not, we can all agree that when somebody talks bad about us, that it can tear us down and that it can actually affect the way that we think not only about ourselves, but our day. And it can really just be pretty damaging. Now, see, I I know that I'm guilty of all of this, too, okay? I'm I'm guilty of thinking, you know, of letting people's opinions of me really just get in my way. See, but here's the thing, guys. When we allow people's opinions and their words of us get in the way of how we see God or our relationship with God, it really does become a little bit of an issue, Now, hear me out. Has there ever been a time in your life when you have spent more time getting ready or at the gym than you have spent with God? Have you let other people's opinions of you get in the way of your relationship with God? Now, and another thing, too, is if you spend too much money just to dress a certain way or to have certain items to impress people, you are letting people's opinions of you get in the way of your relationship with God. Another thing, and this is something that actually kind of hits home for me, is if you let other people's judgment of the sins that you have get in the way of how God sees you, then you are putting other people's views before, how, before God's views of you. And again, I, I'm 100% guilty of this too. Now see, any of you who know me know that like one of my like life goals is to be like as bougie as possible. Like, that is my, like, number one, like, I mean, obviously to follow God, but, like, I just want to be bougie. Like, that's all that I want to do in life, okay? And another thing is, I'm in ministry, and I want to be just like this. Now, you think people won't judge me because, you know, I actually like, you know, I care about how I look, how I look, and I actually enjoy stuff like this? And I, I hate to admit this, but I let people's opinions of me get, get in the way and actually blur the reality that actually sees me. And even more truth it, there are times when I let other people's opinions of me change the way that I view God. 
Now today, we're starting a new series called Humble Beginnings. And in this series, we're going to walk through the life of this guy named David. Now see, David is known throughout the Bible as this incredible man who defeated this giant named Goliath, and he did all of these incredible, incredible things in his life. But guys, he, he wasn't always this way. You see, David was a shepherd at one point. He was one of seven sons. He, he really didn't have this glorious life. In fact, people really didn't think very highly of him whatsoever. And in fact, we're going to be in, in the book of 1 Samuel today, and we're actually going to see a little bit of his earlier life. Now, see, Samuel was this prophet who was going around, and he actually had this, he had this vision and this, this mission from God. God actually went to him and said, I need you to go to this man, and I need you to ask for his sons because one of his sons will become the next king of Israel. And honestly, Samuel didn't really want to do it, but he did it because God asked him to. So what happens is Samuel goes down to this village, and he asks for this man named Jesse. And he goes up and he tells him, one of your sons is going to be the anointed one. I need you to bring all of your sons towards me. So he went, and he got his oldest son, and he said, well, this must be the anointed one because, well, he's my oldest. God was like, no, that's not it. He went to the second son. God said, no, it's not it. And they kept going down and down and down in the list of sons. Now, throughout all this time while they're going through the list, they have yet to bring out David. And in fact, God keeps saying, don't give up. He keeps telling Samuel, don't give up. This man is here. The anointed one is here. And Samuel's getting really frustrated at this point because he just doesn't understand where this guy is. So he asked Jesse, he says, do you not have any more sons? And his dad actually said, well, there's one more. It's the youngest, but he's out tending the sheep. Mind you, his brothers weren't out tending sheep with him. He was the only one out there tending his family's sheep's sheep. So Samuel said, I need you to go, and I need you to get your youngest son. So David walks in, and he comes out, and it, he's described in the Bible as, like, this really, like, good-looking guy who has this great, like, character to him and just all of this really incredible stuff about him. And God tells Samuel, he says, that is the one. He is my anointed one. So Samuel goes ahead, and he gets his oils, and he actually anoints David right on the spot. So you see, while all of this was happening to David, and while all this was happening with Samuel, David's own father didn't believe that he could be the king of Israel, that God could use him in ways to glorify him. He didn't even believe that he was good enough to be who God called him to be. And there are so many times in each and every one of our lives that people might not think that we're good enough to do certain things. I, I, I can't even count the number of times that I've been told I'm not good enough to do whatever God has called me to do. I, I can't tell you how many times that I have heard people our age come to me and say, I have so many people who are tearing me down because I'm trying to follow what God has called me to do. There are so many times in each and every one of our lives, that people may not think that we are good enough. 
There are times when people will try and hold us back from what has, God has planned for us. And I, I'm going to get real personal for a second. When I first started in ministry, I was an intern. And I was making hardly any money because it's an intern at a church. Like, we just don't make any money. It's, it's just re, it, I'm being real right now. And I was two weeks into my internship, and I don't have a very good home life. If any of you have ever heard me speak before, you know the relationship that I have with my parents. And my mother was so against me coming into ministry that I came crying to my boss. And I don't cry. So the fact that he saw me crying was insane. I came up to my boss and said, I'm so sorry. Thank you for the opportunity, but I have to quit right now. And the entire time when I was preparing myself to go up to my boss and to quit, I just heard God screaming at me, please don't give up. Please don't quit. He said, I, I want to use you at some, he's like, I want to use you. I'm using you right now. Please just don't give up. I had so many people who were going up against me, and thank God for my boss because he and his wife took me in, and they gave me a place to live so this way I can do what God called me to do. And in fact, if we look at in uh, 1 Samuel in chapter 16, I think I have verse 7 up on the screens. Maybe. Do I have verse 7 up on the screen? Maybe. Okay, I'll just go ahead and do we have, okay, there we go. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his, uh, his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord does not look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now you see, God didn't judge David by his outward appearance. He didn't, go, he didn't go based off of what other people were saying about David. God saw what was actually important. See, God, God saw David's heart. He saw that David wanted absolutely nothing more in his life than to glorify God and to just give him all the glory. And see, it's because of this, this desire and this want in David's heart that God was actually able to reward him. Now, you see, when we have a heart for God, it shouldn't matter what other people think about us. I mean, David could have very easily based his entire life off of what other people were saying about him and believed that he wasn't good enough. I mean, just imagine, you are one of seven siblings. You are the only one out shepherding the only one out taking care of the sheep. You're, all of your siblings are in the house and they're being taken care of and you are out as a shepherd. See, the fact that everyone was against David, he had every, every single reason to just give up and just to quit. And honestly, I, I wouldn't blame him if he did it would have been the way easier thing to do. But see, David didn't want to give up. He, he had no desire to give up. In fact, having a, he had a heart that was so completely for God. There's a reason why David is known as such a great man in the Bible. And see, having a heart completely for God is really a hard thing to do. And a lot of you might be sitting here thinking, well, what exactly does it mean to have a heart completely for God? It means you will always follow him, that no matter what you do in life, you will always bring glory to him. 
that every time you mess up, you don't let your mistakes define you. Instead, you let God define you. If you had a heart that is 100% all his, then it wouldn't matter about what other people are saying about you, ever. When having a heart for God, you are also able to trust him no matter what happens in your life. And I I don't know about a lot of you, but I struggle daily with trusting God. I, I would love to stand up here, especially talking to you guys about this, especially teaching on this subject. I struggle so much with trusting God every single day. And I actually thought for the longest time that I could trust him in anything, that I could stand up here and say 100%, I trust God. And then I was sitting in a class one night, and they asked me, they said, do you believe that God is faithful? And I said, yes, 100%. I believe with complete certainty, 100%, God is faithful. I said, there's, there's no doubt in my mind. And they asked me a couple questions. And then it hit me. They said, what are you going to do when you stress about money? What are you going to do when there's hardly any money in your bank account and you can't trust that God will provide? What are you going to do when you have that relationship, that friendship that you thought you'd have forever, and when they walk away? Are you going to believe that God is faithful or are you going to be angry? See, every single time that we stress, every single time that we worry, that we get hurt because somebody walks away from us, we are not trusting God. We are not believing that he is faithful. And guys, having a complete heart for God means that we are able to trust him completely no matter what. And and here's another thing that they told me that completely stuck out with me, and God had just burned it in my brain that I have to share this tonight. How often do you compare yourself, your own self, to others around you? How much time do you actually spend on social media comparing yourself to everyone? All those times that you go on and you see the life that everyone has, you see the life that you wish you had, And what about all those times that you're just sitting in a room and you're just looking at all the people around you and you think, I I wish that I looked like them. I I wish that there was a part of me that looked more like them. I I wish that I had money like them. I wish that I had friends like them. I I wish that I had a family like them. How many times do we compare ourselves to other people and genuinely wish that we were like other people? Now, see... Every time we compare ourselves to other people around us, we are telling God, I don't trust you. See, God made us in our mother's womb. He chose every single thing about us. He made us in his image. He made you. You are handmade by God. So why is it that whenever you see somebody that he made also, that you try and compare yourself, that you tell God, no, you messed up while making me. Uh, You didn't make me good enough. I want to be like them. See, there are so many ways in our lives that we might think that we can actually trust God, but in actual reality, I don't think anyone can ever 100% fully trust God. 
we can always strive to trust God, but I, I really don't believe that somebody can 100% fully trust him. And see, this is something that, that really gets me because I, I mean, obviously I work with this age group and I see so many people, and it's not just women, but it's men too. I see so many people comparing themselves. And I see so many people who are being pressured into having a certain life, who are pressured into getting a certain career or getting a certain job or going to a certain school, all because it's what their parents are telling them to do. It's because it's what their counselors are telling them to do. It's because there are so many things that so many people are telling them to do. But see, I, it breaks my heart every time that I see that. Because I know that there are so many people, there are so many people even in this room that I know that God has a plan for each and every one of you, and I know that God is calling you to something. I know that he is calling at least one of you to something big, and I, I know that you're scared, and I know that you are trying very hard to figure out a way as to not say yes to him. But see, if we go back to David, David said yes to God. He could have very easily said, no, I don't want to do this. I mean, could you imagine running, being the king of Israel? Like, I wouldn't want to do that. I don't even want to be president of the United States. Like, that's a horrible job, you know. But it's like David said yes to God. And because he said yes to him, God kept rewarding him throughout his life. And I don't want to give too much away because we're going to have an incredible guest speaker next week. God even told David no sometimes. And guess what? David was okay with it. And I know that there are so many times where we can go and we can say, God, I don't trust you. But how about when we want something and we want something deeply in life and God says, no, no, this isn't it. How many times have you had that job or that job interview and you're like, I got this. Like, I, I want this job so bad. This job will be great. And he's like, no this isn't it for you, and you're devastated at the time. Or you get in a relationship, and you think, you think this is like end game. You think you're going to get married. You have like all your kids' names already picked out. I've been there. I'm not judging. I actually, no, I don't like the names anymore. It's fine. That's another story. But how many times have you been there? And again, I've been there too. I've been like this where I've been completely heartbroken, and I just feel, and I remember begging God, hey, please let this work please, I, I want this to work so bad. And he's like, nope. And honestly, I am so thankful each and every time that I look back and God has told me no. Because I know that each time God says no to me, he has a better plan for me. And trusting God and saying yes to God is going to be as hard and if not harder than hearing God say no to you and trusting that by God saying no to you, he has something better. And I, I know, trust me, I'm like preaching to myself right now. I really don't like this. I don't like what God's doing right now because I, I need to hear all this. But like, it is so, so easy when things get hard to tell God no. It is so easy to turn around and say, I, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to do this. They're not treating me right. They're not paying me enough. They're not respecting me enough. It is so easy to just turn around and say no. But guess what? Every single time that you say it would be easier to do this, Satan is smiling, and he is loving it. See, 
God never gives us a challenge that we can't take. God also never wastes a hurt. And see, I, I think that David's life is a prime example about how if we trust God, we will be rewarded. And how each time that we trust God and we say yes to him and we glorify him in those times that we say no, that honestly we'll get everything that we ever need in life. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't think of a time when God's led me wrong. For those of you who don't know me, um, just so this way you know, my dad died when I was 11. I'm a victim of abuse. I was abused for many years. There was a lot of neglect. I was almost pulled from my home from CPS, but for some reason I fought to stay with my family. I am a, well, I don't want to say recovering anymore. I'm a free porn addict because God took that away from me. There are so many things in my life where it would have been so much easier to say no. That it would have been so much easier to turn my back on God. But let me tell you something. I see the people around me. I see my church family around me. And I thank God every single day. Because if I didn't go through those things, I wouldn't be able to stand up here. And I wouldn't be able to tell you every single thing that God wants. Well, not every single thing. But tell you what God wants you to hear. Because I'm going to be honest. None of this is on my notes. If you look at my notes, you're going to be like, well, that was horrible compared to what you just said. And I think I'm a half-decent note writer. Like... No, this isn't me. This is all God. And for some reason, he wants at least one person in this room to hear this. I don't know who you are. I don't don't know. Maybe this is just for me. I don't know. Because I really don't like it when he does this, but he does this to me all the time. But I can promise you, by having that heart for God, by following him, by wanting to bring glory to him and only him, by wanting to be more like Jesus and to follow him, to be like David... God will reward you no matter what. He will always be faithful. He will always be there for you. And it doesn't matter how many times people tell you no, how many times people say you're not good enough, or how many times people try and tear you down. God is always going to be good, and he will always be faithful. I promise you, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Because, honestly, God is just good. Very basic, cliche, Christian thing to say, but God is good. I've said it. Oh, well. Now, see, if we go back to David's life, I'm sure that there are so many times where he himself questioned the plans that God had for him. I'm sure that there are so many times that he wondered if he was actually good enough, especially with his father even saying that he's not good enough. But see, because David had this heart for God, because he trusted in God's promises, God had an amazing plan for him. So some of you might be thinking, one, this woman's crazy, and two, how can we fully have a heart for God? Well, I have three things that I want you guys to remember tonight. Repent, surrender, and praise him. Let's pray. God, I I thank you for this time, and I thank you for Tuesday nights, and I thank you for each and every person here tonight, God. I thank you for the opportunity to come up and just glorify you. I praise you that you give us all the opportunity to glorify you each and every day, God. You love us enough that you give us that free will, so this way we can glorify you and bring nothing but glory to you. I I thank you for David and the example that you gave us, God. For when times get hard and for when things get rough and for when people talk down on us, God, that we can just go back and remember who David was, 
that we can remember his life and the challenges that he went through, God, and that we can reflect on every decision he made, God. And I pray that as each and every person leaves here tonight, God, that they just become closer to you, that their hearts become more for you, God, that they see the vision that you have for their life. I, I pray that as we go and as we go into this world, God, that they can also be a light in this darkness. And that as, as Satan tries to work in on them, God, I pray that you always give them the strength that they need in order to say yes to you. And I pray that you give them the courage that whenever you tell them no, that they can always glorify you no matter what. And it's in your son's name I pray, amen.